Is this the furthest our eyes can see? Yes, clusters of colourful dots on a dark background. The further we push and the more colourful it gets, all the way to infinity. But uh, how far can we possibly go and when will we stop? Welcome. Very, very far away tells tales from the future. Each episode is a designed fiction inspired by conversations and narratives collectively crafted with space enthusiasts and experts in various cultural fields. Very, very far away explores and depicts a fantasized future using space exploration as a lens to discuss the values and ideologies that may inform future societies. Today's episode is inspired by co-inquiries run at the Space Studios in November 2015 and May 2017. None of the companies that have been established pretty much to build and develop efficient solar panels, battery technology, actually have made any money doing this. They made their money selling to modern society all the crap that we keep buying. You know, the, the eBay culture, the I've got to buy and spend all my money on accumulating as much uh, stuff as I possibly can. And the more stuff you buy, the more energy you need and the more resources you need. We won't. As long as they're unknowns, we'll keep pushing. But isn't that your job? To know? My job is to advise individuals and investors on the most profitable packages they can get. And by packages, do you mean clusters? No, clusters. Information is at base level. They're bought by investment banks as units. I only do top-level stuff, where the units have already been subdivided and repackaged. So these packages have very little to do with the clusters? No, they don't. Some packages often contain potential assets from multiple units. Actually, it's quite rare that you'd get a package made from a single cluster. I personally advise against that. Multiple units help mediate the risks, you know? I see. And where do these packages come from? And are they constantly being published somewhere online, on a public or a private network? Depends. There's no real official source. Once the cluster is broken down in units, their content is published on a ledger then it's up to anyone really to make up their own packages. I sometimes sell packages compositions to lazy traders too. Lazy? I mean, some of them don't have the expertise to recognize and combine assets. And they're lazy because in the long term, they'd be more valuable to the clients if they had some basic knowledge of asteroid composition. Most just transition from market to market thinking they're some kind of wolf of Wall Street. And what does that make you? Oh, me? I'm more of a space-faring elephant, I guess. <laughs> Although, I'm as slim as a stick. I just archive and log into databases. Everything. Clusters composition, packages, units, transactions, everything. Oh wow, that must be a ridiculous amount of data to keep in mind when making up packages. How well do you keep track? Well, I've got tools, of course. Few algorithmic friends crawling the data, sorting out the best deals. So, in theory, could I do your job if I had these friends? 
You can try. Yeah, where can I get them? And how much are they? Are you serious? What's costly aren't the programs. You've got some quite flexible AIs these days. Probably the ones sorting out your mails, even your phone's private assistant would do. But what matters is the quality of the data you're giving it and with what intent. And for that, I mean money can't buy experience. Trader Michael Bradford is a former PR engineer who trained as a geologist. He used to run the company's observation units alongside mining experts. His role spanned from predicting asteroid composition to designing in-detail drill bits for different regoliths. A few years ago, Michael quit his engineering position for a more rewarding activity, trading on the ASC, the Astrological Stock Exchange. Then how did you become a trader? What led you from researching the composition of extraterrestrial rocks to making deals on the ASC? Rocks, iron, platinum, cobalt, ice. It's crazy what you can find out there. Sugars, ethanol. Until we started mining, China had a monopoly on REMs and most importantly, the whole supply chain for high-tech industries. REM, rare earth minerals or metal a group of chemical elements often used in manufacture of technological devices. Controlling around 85% of global supply. Companies were racing to try and replace cobalt in their batteries. 60% of it was mined and sold for and by Chinese companies. And with the explosion of automation, high-tech industry, the EV market... EV, electric vehicles. Manufacturers were highly dependent on the Chinese prices. So much that mining in outer space sounded for some much more cost-effective. Is that why you specialized in asteroid composition and detection? To some extent, yes. We're so much dependent on those for everything that I thought it was important to work on accessibility. But why trading then? Well, after working your butt off for, for years, I need to realize that this idea of providing accessibility turned out to actually just favor someone else's monopoly and wealth you tend to become a bit cynical. If profit is the whole idea, you may as well make some money for yourself. And as a result, I presume the ASC was the easy choice for money making. As a result, with my knowledge combined with my understanding of the you know, workings of companies, such as PR, you become some sort of modern day financial astrologer. Financial astrology, also known as astroeconomy, a practice relating the movement of celestial bodies to events in the financial market. Goldman Sachs even released a paper in 1999 focusing specifically on the correlation between eclipses and the state of the financial market. Okay, so we don't stir away too much from the subject of tonight's debate. You were saying that this renewed enthusiasm for space exploration isn't what we think it is? So you're telling me that all these speculative goods, these asteroids containing such and such is for the greater good? Don't worry, they say. We've got potentially infinite resources, infinite energy and batteries. But for whom? Our resources here will soon be depleted, but who cares? Here, take my pseudo-brand new tech. Look at my big fucking rocket. They crater the price of our commodities, so the ones manufacturing the real stuff, not that speculated, made-up bullshit. The ones working here on Earth, in mines and factories, are left with nothing. We don't need your gizmos. They're waiting for our nations to collapse, these big corporations, separatists. Humanity's salvation is in space, they say. But how many of us will get to be colonists, huh? How many? 
None. These space dwellers with their genes-altering therapy, gobbing pills for dinner, I don't think they're humans anymore. They're not humans, as far as I'm concerned. Hola, perdón por llegar tarde. ¿Estás hace mucho? No, no te preocupes, ¿todo bien? Sí, un poco cansada. Me imagino. Eh, ¿Querés que arranquemos? Sí. Eh, ¿Te molesta si hablamos en inglés durante la entrevista? No, para nada. I met with Magdalena Riaga in the inner patio of a local greasy spoon near her office. Despite the temperature and the dusty red particles covering all surfaces, the tables are full. The view is otherworldly. A relatively flat and bright red expanse of land with occasionally a cluster of boulders of variable sizes, which appear as if slowly rolling down from the hills on the horizon. It is a moon valley. Workers from a building site nearby are finishing their lunch break, sipping their coffee before going back. Before working at a desk in an office building, Magdalena used to spend her time on an assembly line for a manufacturing branch of Galaxy Resources, in Sal de Vida. As the workforce got slowly replaced by Coca robots, Magdalena took her experience and knowledge to the trading department of a small firm supplying raw and processed materials to high-tech companies. She now sells commodities to local battery manufacturing plants. I'm trying to get the best prices, that's all. And how is it going so far? Well, we've seen better days. When the market from lithium batteries exploded, it was the good times. Lots of foreign investment, government giving tax incentives, even investing the taxpayers' money to build infrastructure, lending lots of money, you know? That's how I ended up in the business in the first place. It was sort of the most promising and stable job I could envision. So then what happened? Because we got so much resources locally, we even reopened historical mines for that matter. REMs aren't rare because of their small quantity. They're relatively abundant, but it's the time and energy to extract them the problem. You can churn through a mountain just to get a little cup. But with governmental investment and all, we finally got the methods, skills and infrastructure necessary to make this industry successful, you know? And also, this meant we could keep everything local. We don't need to submit to the Chinese supply chain and even export some to our neighbors at a really good rate. Those were the good days. I see. And then what? And then, well, PR, deep space, and all that happened. They're out there making up resources to get money. How does this affect you? It affects me in every way. And not only me, but everybody. Because now, people believe there's infinite supplies up there, so our prices here are all messed up. But isn't it true, to some extent, that the resources out there could be potentially infinite? ¿En serio me preguntas? Do you know how much it costs to get those boulders back? And that's only if we were to get some back. These goods out there is just smoke and mirrors. Fiction. What they produce is nowhere near the amount of minerals they're speculating on. Since I've started trading, I've realized that what matters is what people believe, not the truth. There's no science here. Nothing adds up. 
It's just a bunch of guys with their periodic tables and percentages making up packages based on fuzzy pictures of the sky. Nothing's tangible. Are you talking about the ASC? The ASC isn't even a thing. The clue is in the name. But since people believe in it like they believe in horoscope, this thing got a mind of its own. It's like a speculative golem. People are still trading on the ASC though, so in that respect, it feels quite real. Real like nation borders are real. It's a narrative construct, but in this case, it's not even an official thing. There's no international agreement on this. Okay, I understand that it affects your ability to do business, but why should everybody be concerned beyond the trading companies? It's simple, really. Because everyone thinks that there's that infinite supply up in the sky that we can all benefit from. Then me, trying to sell these tangible goods becomes a nightmare. The prices have fallen so much that we theoretically need to double or triple our production just to get back to where we were a couple of years ago. But doubling or tripling our output would mean doubling or tripling our production costs too. So instead, for small firms like this one, it's easier to lower production costs by increasing automation and let go of lots of people. And our prices are still not competitive enough. As a result, we make no profit and since a substantial part of the economy relies on our industry, on top of the increasing unemployment, you then get higher taxes and government cuts and no more social expenditure. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. It's almost like the beginning of a vicious cycle. And I'm only talking about what I know and experience here. But it's the same for lots of other industries. The irony is that the ones producing the actual goods are the ultimate losers, while the ones making up stories about them are getting wealthier. I suppose this is the paradox that fuels the stories around separatists. Have you heard of those? Separatistas? <laughs> Space nationalists. I'm not too much into science fiction, you know? But when you hear what sort of programs they're funding with all that money... Like PR's Pathfinder, for example. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if this fantasy turns out to be true. Why would you invest so much in self-sustained living and autonomous systems in space if you didn't think about taking off and leaving everything else behind? When you think about it, space dwellers are like a cult. A cult? Are you sure about that? I don't mean it like an actual one, but most of them aren't even in space. They're all here fantasizing with the belief that they'll be better off there. But really, what they do is working hard on making the dreams of a few come true. Since you refer to yourself as an astro-economist, what's your thoughts on separatists? Do you identify with the space-dwelling community at all? What? Don't take my little jokes too literally. <laughs> all that space-dwelling community and separatist stuff, it's all clown talk. Do you mean that there is no actual separatist movement or community? There's definitely a community. Like if you were a tech bro working in Silicon Valley. But that's about it. The rest is just stories for dubious media channels. Good selling stories. But in that respect, isn't it quite similar to your trading job? What do you mean? Selling stories? Well, part of your work is highly speculative, so in some ways we could say that part of your job is about fictionalizing data. Oh God, I see what you're trying to do here. I would admit that this is a bit of a leap, equating speculating on a market to good storytelling. However, it seems that our world is built and functions around an entanglement of fictions and narratives we've all tacitly agreed on. 
What interests me is the typology used by those involved or affected by them. The mechanisms seem to be the same, yet a surreptitious hierarchy enables some to prevail over others. It is more acceptable and even natural for some to speculate on the unknown when it pertains to the manufacture of fictitious value than it is to interpret a series of actual events as being the cox of a broader machination. Both may be pointing at differences in ideology, perhaps. Nonetheless, when conversing with Magdalena in La Rioja, it seems to me that her understanding enables her to deal with fictions as realities, since the reach of their consequences are definitely palpable. For Michael, his activity doesn't seem to involve some level of fantasy, whilst being in many ways more abstract. Paradoxically, in his view, it does not pertain to imagining improbable or impossible things. No, I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just wondering, that's all. What are you after? Some story of good versus evil, a conveniently polarized narrative? Is everything around you this simple? Do I think PR and all these space exploiting companies are striving for the greater good? No. Do I think the space dwelling community is sometimes acting suspiciously? Maybe. But the evil separatist is just resentment and bitterness for, of some enacted through fiction. In all honesty, there's no greater good. Only people with interests, PR, the space dwelling community, whatever, all independently taking the decisions that will ensure them some profitable outcomes. Unfortunately, there is some chance that some of these choices inadvertently lead to an economic collapse, even render the planet hostage of a single person's vision. Perhaps that's the nature of the market. But if you want to talk about my practice, it is not fantasy, it is not fiction, it has a function, it has a method. The separatist thing is a fable somehow helping people to cope with the inevitable. The inevitable? What do you think? Exodus? This episode of Very Very Far Away is produced by Malena Arcucci and Citraga Rapotinieina. Starring Malena Arcucci, Mariana Nixal Pardo, and Luke Ireland. VBFA is recorded and mixed by Matthew Motz in London.